Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's the How to Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer, and we're coming to you from the year 2019. I hope everyone had a great new year and is excited for a wonderful 2019 and the year ahead. I'm excited for the future and the 2019 year for our podcast and, and what I have in store for you all. I hope you are too. So I posted the teaser episode, and I listed the equipment used in today's episode, and that was thermometer. Uh, anyone guess that? We're going to be talking about how to brew an amber ale just based on a thermometer. If so, congrats. Give yourself a pat on the back. If not, I'm willing to bet I would have not guessed that either had I not known what I was going to be talking about. It's a funny thing, giving a hint to an answer, wondering how much you're actually giving away. And so, um, either way, I'm excited to to run through this with you all. Beer is a constantly evolving uh, beverage and consumed by by millions worldwide, and it's it's been 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 made and been drunk for from for I don't know how long thousands of years. I know, and I I may be wrong, but I know that at some point beer was really used. You know, when you were boiling uh, liquid, um, it wasn't safe to drink water, so any sort of alcohol that was created, um, people were drinking because it was safer to drink that than contaminated water. Um, and it's, that was the same for adults and for children for that matter. Um, but it's been around either way for, for thousands of years and it's, it's evolving and the big beer companies have, have for years owned the market and craft beer is slowly but steadily since I want to say the the 80s grown to a point where I think big beer is threatened and it's been really fascinating watching the two intermingle and and craft craft breweries you know decide to to sell their company to big beer and and others not and the the you know the discussions that that leads to in the beer drinking community wherever you fall on on the spectrum of of who you support and what types of beers you drink the important part to me uh about beer is is how it's made because i i appreciate the beverage i i like to know what goes into it and i like different flavors and i like to know how they're created and i think knowing a process helps me thus understand more about the finished product. And I do think in a way that's one of the things I'm I'm trying to do here with how to sleep is to 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 really get into the whole process of how something is created so we can see the end product but what goes in what what are all the steps that go into creating that and and that includes something like beer and and this came about around the holidays. My father-in-law asked me how a, a certain beer was made. And I stumbled through an answer, a very unconvincing answer. I didn't know it. And I didn't really try and own 
that that I knew it. I, I just didn't really know. But thus went and and looked it up because I I had read about it and I had actually read a book on it, but nothing had really stuck. So I'm hoping by creating this that it's a it's a nice tutorial for you and and also for me and and we can do it together. So this is pretty exciting. I'm excited to get into how to homebrew an amber ale. Obviously, there's a very similar process that is done with with larger breweries that have larger equipment. I wanted to start with one that that anyone listening at home could to the best of their ability replicate. So that's what we're going to do here today. So how to brew beer at home. I looked through many many how-to tutorials and there's a lot of good ones both in print and online. And the one that I came cross is the creator's name is mark and he made 52 brews ordinary dudes review extraordinary brews and he created this this blog and i really like how he mixes process with ingredients with equipment it's very thorough and and it's going to cover all the bases that i'd want if i were to either read and I'll share this link. You can find it as you listen in the details of the cast. And um, link. there's also hyperlinks. You'll see those as I read through. I'll, I'll say if they're there. And you can follow it afterwards. And, and he, he's, he's thorough and, and it's, it's a good one to listen to and then revisit. If you're just wanting to learn about the process or do it yourself. So let's see what he has to offer us. Here's a summary on how to brew your own beer. And there are nine steps. One, boil five gallons of water to 170 degrees Fahrenheit. Two, add your specialty grains and let it soak for 30 minutes between 160 and 170 degrees Fahrenheit. Three, add malted extract and aroma hops to the solution and bring it to a boil for 90 minutes. 4. Cool the mixture with a wart chiller. 5. Transfer the cooled wart to the fermenter. 6. Activate and pitch yeast. Ferment at 65 degrees Fahrenheit to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. 7. Wait 1 to 2 weeks as the yeast ferments the sugars to release CO2 and ethyl alcohol. 8. After the main fermentation process, add your priming sugar for carbonation. 9. Keg or bottle your beer. Looks easy, right? Once you've gotten all these steps correctly, you'll know how to start brewing beer at your own pace. What ingredients are in beer? What is beer made out of? This is one of the most commonly asked questions aspiring home brewers have, and thankfully, it's one with a nice, simple answer. There are four main ingredients in beer. Hops, grains, or malt extract, depending on which method you're using, yeast, and water. The role of the different ingredients is, and we have four bullet points here, water. Without water, beer, or any beverage for that matter, would be impossible, because more than 95% of your final product will be water, 
The quality of the water you use will have a big impact on the quality of the final product, so keep that in mind. Yeast. Yeast is that which turns your sweet brown tea into beer. Yeast is a single cell organism that eats sugar and converts it into alcohol and CO2. This is called fermentation. Grains. Barley is probably the most common type of grain used today, although there are plenty of beers out there that use wheat, corn, and even sorghum or rice. If you're using the all-grain method, you'll be purchasing barley in its whole form. If you're using the extract method, you'll be purchasing barley malt, which is a soup of sugar and soluble starches that's ready for fermentation. And finally, hops. Hops are those things that give your DIY beer its flavor and aroma. They also work to counteract the sweetness left over from the fermentation process and act as a bacterial inhibitor. There are many kinds of hops, and different ones produce different flavors. Next up, different fermentations of beer, lagers versus ales and hybrids. All beers are either lagers or ales, and it is determined by the type of yeast used to brew it. Lagers are made with yeast that ferments at the bottom of the mixture. Ales are made with yeast that ferments at the top. Wild and sour ales are brewed with spontaneously fermenting yeasts, which gives them their distinct qualities. With these three fermentation methods, the base is determined, but the wonderful thing about your brew is how complex they can become. So even if you are brewing beers that belong in a similar style, the qualities may be similar, but the taste, aroma, and consistency will vary. You can dive deeper into each fermentation method here, and there's a hyperlink for lagers versus ales, so see your details of the cast. Two brewing methods. All grain or extract brewing. Before learning how to make beer at home, you need to decide which type of brewing you want to engage in. Essentially, there are two types available to the home brewer, all grain and extract. In the step-by-step home brewing guide on how to make your own beer, we'll be explaining the extract process, but it's good to know a bit about both so you can make up your own mind which one is more to your own liking. All grain brewing. All grain brewing entails extracting sugars from the grain through a method known as mashing. This is necessary in order to convert the starches and the grain into fermentable sugars. Mashing grains is not like mashing potatoes, so don't go reaching for the potato masher here. Instead, mashing in this case means soaking the grain in cold water to release the starches and allow the enzymes within the grain to break down into the aforementioned fermentable sugars. Once this is complete, the resulting sugars are then rinsed from the grains through another process called sparging. Once the fermentable sugars have been extracted from the grain, the rest of the process is the same as that of extract brewing, which we'll go over now. Extract brewing. With this method, you are able to skip the mashing step because someone else has already done it for you. They then package the results in the form of a liquid or dry malt extract which, along with other things you'll need, comprise a kit you buy to kickstart the whole brew process. While there's no doubt that brewing your own beer with malt is going to cost you more money, many people opt for this method because of the time and effort they're able to save. Make sure to read through all the steps before you begin brewing. Anyone can successfully brew at home, but there are a number of things that can go wrong. 
Problems can range from yeast failing to ferment fully to foul, rotten egg smell and brew. So read through the steps and understand them to minimize the risk of disaster. Equipment Nobody today brews without the right equipment, so here's a list of the essentials you'll need to set up your home brewery. Here's a list of the equipment you will need. And these are all listed in bullet points, and there are hyperlinks to a bunch of them, so you can click on those once you read the article. Fermenter During the fermentation stage, your soon-to-be beer is known as wort, and you'll need a large vessel to hold the wort as it ferments. Airlock because the top of your fermenter is going to be securely closed, you need some way to vent the carbon dioxide that the fermentation process produces. This is what the airlock is for. Brew kettle. The whole boiling method takes place in the kettle. For an absolute beginner making a limited amount of homebrew, a 1.5 gallon kettle may suffice. Although there's no harm getting a larger one so you're prepared when the time comes to ramp things up a bit. Burner. If you're going to make beer, you'll need a heat source that's strong enough to bring one or five or however many gallons of brew you're making to a boil in a timely fashion. For small batches, the stovetop may work, but for big batches, we recommend a 72,000 BTU burner. Siphon with tubing. Siphoning your wort or finished product from one vessel to another is the way to go as other methods have the potential for disaster built into them. Try to find an auto-siphon that will create the necessary vacuum for you. Cleaner Keeping things nice and clean is as essential with homebrew as it is with cooking. You wouldn't make yourself dinner using dirty cutlery, dirty plans, and dirty dishes. Same goes for brewing. Try to avoid scented cleaners, though. Sanitizer Sanitizing is a separate step that's done in addition to cleaning. Sanitizers kill off any pain-in-the-neck microorganisms that could wreak havoc with your brew. Be sure to follow the instructions to the letter. Hydrometer You use a hydrometer to measure the sugar density of the wort. Once you know how to brew beer, you can get by without a hydrometer, but you'll likely wind up using one anyway for more precise control over the fermentation process. You can use a refractometer as a substitute. Thermometer, there's the, the secret uh, piece of equipment. They're cheap, and this equipment helps to have one on hand to monitor the temperature of the water during the early phase of the brew process. Finally, wort chiller, counterflow or pate chiller, plate chiller. Experts say that a chiller is the best equipment to use when coiling down the wort. That's pretty much all you need to be able to successfully brew your own beer. Check out this home brewing supplies page for a more comprehensive list of equipment. And again, you can check this page. There are many pages online um, for that. Or you can always maybe even go to your local. There's lots of small um, growler shops that actually do home brew within the growler shop. Anyone in the Atlanta area, Atlanta suburbs area, there's a great one called Dogwood Growlers and Brew Supply that that has every all the um, ingredients and equipment there. They actually can you can brew beer there, and they'll they'll teach you how to do it. So if you're looking to have some help and assistance, look up your your local uh, craft beer stores, growler 
shops and, and uh, I'm willing to bet you'll be able to find one you could do this um, before you do it at home maybe you can do it there and, and brew your own beer so to make the beers we have ingredients so what is in our amber ale let's see what what he has listed ingredients how do you brew an amber ale here are the ingredients you will need to make in your own beer a jar of Steinbart Light LME, this is Brace Brewer's Gold Malt Extract, 7 pounds. A bag of Norther Brewer Hops, 1 ounce. A bag of Fuggle Hops, 1 ounce. A bag of crushed vacuum sealed grain, 2 ounces chocolate malt, and 1 pound of crystal malt, 60 liters. 1 tablet Warflock for getting rid of the sediments. US-05 Ale Yeast, one package, and four hop steeping bags. Alright, so let's get into the process. Brew your own beer using these 14 steps. Extract method. We often get asked, quote, how long does it take to brew homemade beer, end quote. Thing is, there are so many variables involved that it's not possible to give one definitive answer that will be accurate for everyone. That said, if you have all the necessary equipment, including a wart chiller, which is a non-essential, but sure is a handy time saver, it can take about three hours to brew at home. Now that that's settled, let's go through the brewing process. Remember, we're using the extract method, and that assumes you've purchased a brew kit. Step 1. Cleaning and Sanitizing the first and most important step on how to make homemade beer is to clean everything thoroughly. And this isn't all bold because it's, it's incredibly important. We can't emphasize this step enough. Proper sanitation is essential for getting a quality brew with no off flavors or odd colors. Do this and everything that follows should go smoothly. There are plenty of cleaning solutions available on the market, but the one that we always recommend is Star Sans or Star Sands. There's a hyperlink there. A, high, a highly effective sanitizer that is ideally for home brewing. Star Sands foams up and reaches into the seams and crevices in your system. This ensures that all contaminants are totally eliminated, resulting in a quality beer. Step 2. Heat the water. The next thing you have to do is bring the water in your brewing kettle to about 170 degrees over your burner of choice. They say, here are some of our favorite homebrew burners. So definitely check that link and always Google. And, and like I said, ask, ask around, ask friends, ask any local homebrewers you know or, or any shops. They'll give you recommendations as well. If you're only making a small batch, this won't take long. We recommend always making at least five gallons just to make the process worthwhile. Step three, steep the grains. Fill a muslin bag with the grains from your kit. Tie off the top and steep it like a tea bag in your hot water for about half an hour, stirring occasionally. Then remove it and rinse it with clean, warm water over the kettle to extract the final bits of flavor for your DIY beer. Step 4. Add the malt extract. Next, we add the malt extract. This will be pre-portioned and have the consistency of molasses, so be patient and make sure you get it all. In fact, rinse the tub with warm water to make sure you get the last of it and add it to the brew. Step 5. Bring the kettle to a boil. 
your water slash extract mix is now officially war, or unfermented homemade beer. Spark up the stove now and bring your wort to a boil. Not in an insane bubbling over the top boil, but a nice slow gentle boil, like chicken soup. Step 6. Add the hops in Whirlflock tablet. Take your hops and place them in a muslin bag in the grains. Tie it off and suspend the bag in the boiling wort for about 90 minutes. The purpose of the hops is to counteract the sweetness of malt. About 15 minutes after suspending the bag of hops, add a Whirlflock tablet to sanitize the beer. Why 90 minutes? Boiling the hops for this long will effectively get rid of approximately 80% of the DMS, dimethyl sulfide, content. DMS is a sulfur compound that is a byproduct of the fermentation process. The smell of cooked or creamed corn indicates the presence of DMS in your brew. It is also important to keep the lid off the brew pot while boiling the hops. Covering the brew pot prevents the DMS from escaping, and it will simply end up back in your beer. Step 7. Chill the wort. After about 90 minutes of boiling, it's time to turn off the burner and let the wort cool. You can either let it cool on its own, which will likely take a couple of hours, or use a wort chiller. We didn't include the wort chiller in our list of essentials because it's a luxury, but it's a luxury that will save you a lot of time. So if you can afford it, go for it. We found that using a wart chiller is by far the most effective way to cool down the wart. And this is all in bold, so keep that in mind. Plate or counterflow wart chillers tend to be more effective than copper immersion coil chillers, particularly with regard to removing DMS. We also recommend using a thermometer to ensure that the wart is cooled down to the right temperature. It is also important to cool down the wort as quickly as possible in order to remove DMS effectively. The wort will continue to produce DMS even as it is cooling down, so getting it down to the right temperature is crucial. Furthermore, you can't boil off any DMS that is produced while the wort is cooling. Keeping your wort hot results in as much as a 30% increase in DMS levels per hour, so get those temperatures down quickly! Exclamation point, all bold. And then, also in all bold, beer pumps, optional. In order to speed up the cooling process even more, you might want to use a beer or chugger pump. In a pinch, you can even use a simple aquarium pump that you can get in any pet supply store. This will help circulate the wart more effectively, resulting in faster cooling times. Step 8. Transfer the wart. The next step is transferring the cooled wart to the fermenter. Your fermenter should always be slightly bigger than the batch size. This gives the beer plenty of room to ferment and foam without creating so much internal pressure that the fermenter is compromised. We don't advise pouring the wort as you see in the video unless you have a lot of experience. Use the siphon instead. Step 9. Determine your initial gravity. At this point, you will want to measure the specific gravity of your wort. This is essentially the density of the wort in relation to the water. All bold here. You will know how the ferment fermentation process is moving along by the amount of sugar present, present in the brew. End of bold. When you see that the sugar content is decreasing, you know that the fermentation is well underway. Measuring the specific gravity will also let you know the alcohol by volume, ABV, level. 
which is how much alcohol your beer will potentially contain. And that's what you see on most cans or bottles of beer, or if you're at a, a brewery on that chalkboard when they have that number next to the beer, like 6.3 or 10.3 or some of the even higher ones, 13, 14. That's the alcohol by volume level, ABV. During fermentation, the sugars are converted into alcohol. You can therefore determine how much of the sugar is being converted into alcohol by how much the specific gravity decreases daily. For measuring specific gravity, you can either use a hydrometer or a refractometer. Refractometer? I think it's maybe the second one. Hydrometers work by displacing liquid based on its density and measuring how much of the liquid is displaced. Learn all about it here, and they have a link, so you can uh, dig even deeper into how to use a hydrometer. Refractometers, for their part, measure light refraction through the liquid. Their measurement is then used to determine the amount of sugar present. Hydrometers are the simplest and least expensive tools for measuring specific gravity. Although they are easy enough for even beginners to use, they will continue to be useful even as you gain more experience with home brewing. Step 10. Activating and pitch the yeast. The next step is to pitch yeast into the wort. Pitching yeast is simply brewer's terms for adding yeast to the wort, which kicks off the fermentation process in earnest. Why is yeast added to the wort? Remember that the wort contains considerable amounts of sugar. When yeast is added to solutions with adequate amounts of sugar in it, the sugar is used as fuel to create even more yeast. This is what produces the alcohol in beer. Depending on the type of yeast used, pitching yeast will also imbue the beer with different flavors and aromas. Before you pitch your yeast, you will have to activate it first. How you do so will depend on the type of yeast that you use. For home brewing purposes, there are essentially two kinds of yeast. Dry yeast, commonly included in brewing kits, this does not require activation. However, you should ensure that it is at room temperature prior to pitching. Otherwise, it will die when it is added to the wort. Liquid yeast. This does require activation, which is done by shaking the container vigorously. You could even make a yeast starter, which primes the yeast for fermentation by allowing it to multiply. Yeast starters serve a number of purposes. They have three bullet points. Increases the amount of yeast available for the fermentation process. Rehydrates yeast checks the viability of yeast. Check this homebrewing guide for detailed instructions on how to make your own yeast starter. There's a link there as well. In most cases, you could probably use the yeast that came with your malt kit. This will probably be freeze-dried ale yeast, which works fine for brewing. Step 11. Ferment the beer. Place the airlock on top of the fermenter and then let the whole thing sit for about two weeks. During this time, the beer will ferment and the airlock will allow CO2 from the fermenting process to escape without letting air or bacteria seep in. When brewing beer at home, a normal, steady temperature in the room where the ferment is located is crucial. Temperature swings can screw up the process. Secondary fermenters, optional. At this point, you might want to consider secondary fermentation. This simply involves transferring from the first fermentation vessel into the secondary, into another container, sorry. 
secondary fermenters are typically made of glass. Beer is left here to age for a period of two days to several months. There are a number of advantages and disadvantages as well. So under the pros, we have two bullet points. The first, the added method will result in a clearer and better looking beer with less sediments accumulating at the bottom of the bottle. Second, it also helps you avoid having your brew sit in the primary fermentation vessel, which is likely made of plastic and probably isn't airtight. Left in the primary fermentation vessel, beer will be affected by the oxygen sleeping through the lid. This can have a detrimental effect on the flavor as the primary fermentation process slows down and less protective carbon dioxide is produced. And then under the cons list, we have one bullet point. It adds another stage wherein contaminants and or oxygen can be introduced into the beer. This can lead to off flavors or even stale tasting brew. This can be avoided by ensuring cleanliness and sanitation, but that will obviously add more work to the process. You also don't want your beer sitting in the primary fermentation vessel for too long due to the yeast that invariably accumulates at the bottom. As the sugar in the wort is depleted, the remaining yeast will utilize dead yeast cells as an alternative food source. Oh, interesting. This will cause them to go into a process known as autolysis, which again results in off flavors rather than the carbon, dioxide, and ethanol necessary for the beer making process. Not all beers require secondary fermentation. If you don't plan on lagering beer or storing it for extended periods, you can pretty much leave it in the primary fermentation vessel until you are ready to bottle. If you don't want to deal with the effects of having your brew sit in yeast sediments for a long period of time, you can purchase brewing fermenters that are designed to contain the yeast in a small area at the bottom of the vessel. This facilitates the removal of the yeast so you can keep your beer clean and fresh tasting. Step 12. Take final gravity reading. You will want to measure the specific gravity of your brew one more time at this point. This will enable you to determine how much sugar is left after fermentation ceases. This is in turn this in turn lets you know its alcohol content. Beer that has a low final gravity tends to have a dry or crisp flavor. So that's in all bold. In contrast, the product with high final gravity tend to have a sweet or malty flavor. Step 13. Carbonate your beer. After the two-week fermentation method is complete, you have real beer, although not, quote, beer, as most modern drinkers understand it. To, to produce that, you'll need to carbonate your beer. And to do that, you'll need to add carbonated sugars and let it sit for another week. There are more complex ways of carbonation, but this will do for small batches. Carbonated sugars are created by mixing 3 or 4 ounces of corn sugar with 1 or 2 cups of water. Mix it thoroughly and pour it into the, quote, or parentheses now clean, 5-gallon kettle we used earlier. Siphon the beer from the fermenter into the kettle and mix it with the corn sugars. Step 14. Bottling or kegging. The final step. Once your beer is fermented for however long your recipe calls for, it is time to keg or rack lagering vessel like a chilled keg. Racking essentially involves transferring beer from a fermentation vessel into another vessel 
while limiting its exposure to oxygen. This will condition the brew and enable the formation of carbon dioxide bubbles, making it more similar to commercially available beer. There are two options for racking beer. One, kegging. Two, bottling. Each of these has its own benefits and drawbacks, and your choice largely depends on your desired outcome. Kegging? Kegging is a convenient way to store beer for easy dispensing. Although it does take some time and the equipment is a bit costly, you get clearer brew that can be carbonated quickly as needed. We have another pros and cons list. Under pros, bullet point one, less chance of disturbing the yeast at the bottom of the keg. Two, less time consuming than filling up bottles. Three, lets you adjust carbonation levels more precisely. And four, kegs can handle overcarbonated beer better than bottles. Under cons, two bullet points. One, a keg setup costs more than bottles. Two, it requires a large refrigerator or cooler. So here are the steps to kegging your beer. Step one, sanitize the keg. You will first have to sanitize your keg before you can transfer the beer into it. There are many commercially available sanitizing solutions to choose from, most of which can do a great job of sanitizing your keg. You will want to get a no-rinse sanitizer, since it will make it that much easier to prepare your keg for use. Follow the instructions for mixing the keg cleaning solution and fill up your keg with it. Wait 10 minutes, and then turn the keg upside down. Let the keg sit for another 10 minutes as the sanitizer goes to work. You will be using carbon dioxide later on for carbonating your beer, but for now, you will be using it to force the sanitizer out of the keg. You will need to connect a length of tube to the liquid connector of your keg, with the other end leading to a large vessel. This vessel will hold the sanitizing solution you will expel from the keg. Next, connect the CO2 tank to the gas connector of the keg and set the regulator to about 5 PSI. This should force the sanitizer out of the keg into the collection vessel. Keep the CO2 going until no more liquid comes out and you, can, you only hear the hiss of the gas. Step 2. Rack the beer. The next step is to rack the beer, which simply means transferring it from the fermentation vessel into the keg. At this point, the keg is still filled with the CO2 from the previous step. Simply pull on the pressure relief valve until the internal pressure is equal to the pressure outside. Take your racking tube and connect one end of it to the keg's liquid connector. Attach another tube to the gas connector and place the other end into the sanitizer in the collection vessel. You can then begin transferring the beer into the keg. As the keg fills up, the CO2 will then be forced out and bubble through the sanitizer solution. The keg will then be full of uncarbonated beer. Which leads us to step three, carbonate the beer. Now you can begin to carbonate your brew. Connect the CO2 tank to your keg again and let the gas flow into the keg. Carbonation levels are measured in volumes, with most beers having 1.5 to 2.2-2.7 volumes of CO2. When in doubt, a volume of 2.0 is generally considered a safe carbonation range. As you can see, CO2 is handy to have around when brewing at home. If you are serious about brewing your own beer, it might be worthwhile to purchase a keg charger, 
such as the Brewer's Corners CO2 keg charger or the Monster Brew portable Cornelius charging cap. Hyperlinks to both. Looks like they're spreading some, sharing some recommendations of a couple of cool, uh, great keg chargers. Uh, while you're at it, you might also want to check out the Homebrew Stuff's 5-gallon keg ball lock connection single-handle keg. And another option other than keg, bottling. As an alternative to kegging, you could opt to bottle your beer instead. It will take more time and effort than kegging, but it is a much less costly option. Besides, you simply can't be popping the cap off a bottle of your own special home brew. So under pros and cons, under pros, we have inexpensive compared to kegging, requires much less equipment than kegging, bottles are easier to store and transport. Under cons, we have beer can be cloudy with plenty of sediments, time-consuming, more complicated carbonation process, risk of breakage due to overcarbonation. Here are the steps for bottling your beer. You will need the following equipment. Bottle filler. They have a link here for bottle fillers. Bottling bucket. Siphon hose. And bottle capper. Step 1. Prepare your sugar solution. Mix 3 fourths cup priming sugar or 1 and 1 fourth cup dry malt extract in 2 cups of water and boil for 5 minutes. Let the solution cool and then pour it into your bucket. Siphon the beer from the fermenter, making sure that no sediments are sucked up along. Also make sure to place the end of the siphon hose right at the bottom of the bucket. This will mix the beer more evenly with the sugar water, resulting in more effective carbonation. Step 2. Fill your bottles. If you are using a bottling bucket, first connect the siphon hose to the faucet. Connect the bottle filler to the hose's other end. Insert the bottle filler into the mouth of the bottle, opening the spigot and pressing the bottle filler against the bottle's bottom. This will start the beer flowing. Fill your beer bottles about an inch from the top. Cap your bottles and set them aside to rest for two to three weeks. Keep them at room temperature during the entire time so that they will carbonate properly. At the end of that period, the beer can be chilled and consumed as you wish. Uh, instead of priming sugar, you could also use dried material extract, DME, to induce carbonation. Make sure to follow instructions closely, though, so that you don't inadvertently overcarbonate and cause bottles to explode. And right there at the bottom, here's a summary video of the entire home beer making process. And then you'll definitely have that that video and the link that I share and and watch it. Uh, it's it's thorough and it goes through the details shared here in the process. So that's that's how to to brew beer. And the the final thing I wanted to do is, for me at least, it's always helped to to recap the the steps of the process. And we went through the steps at the beginning of this article. I wanted to share uh, steps of the process with from a book I had read that my wife had got me a couple years ago for Christmas. And it's called The Complete Beer Course from Novice to Expert in 12 Tasting Classes. 
And it's written by a gentleman named Joshua M. Bernstein, uh, Bernstein, Bernstein. And it's, it's an absolutely incredible book. It's, it's got a wonderful cover with, with all sorts of different beer bottles on the front. And it has a lot of, I was going to say a lot of pictures, but when it comes to beer and the ingredients in beer and the, the types of bottles there, they're actually pretty handy. And it, and it goes through the, the process of brewing beer and all the different types of beer and the histories of those, those beers and where they've come from. And not to mention it, it highlights uh, a handful of breweries along the way that, that do a, a great version of these types of beer. It's it's a wonderful book. I really highly recommend checking out. Go on Amazon, order order the thing. It's really great. But he does, um, and I, I can't really read through that whole book, obviously. But he does a at the start of his book a quick little uh, recap um, of the the brewing process, and I wanted to to run through that with you as well because you have the home brew process. You heard that at the start of this cast. This is just slightly different it's really for the most part all the same however just condensed down to nine steps so let's read through this as a recap the brewing process one milling the barley malt is run through a mill which converts it into crushed grain known as grist two mashing in a vat called a mash ton the grist is steeped in hot water to convert its starches into fermentable sugars. 3. Laudering. In a lauder ton, a vessel that allows liquids to flow through the slotted bottom, the solid grains are separated from the sugary broth, which is called wort. Next, hot water is trickled through the grain to extract the remaining sugars, a process called sparging. 4. Boiling. The wort is transferred to a boil kettle where it's boiled and hops are added at different stages to impart both bitterness and aroma. 5. Whirlpool During this phase, the hopped wort is spun in a whirlpool. This removes spent hops and coagulated proteins. 6. Wort cooling Before the yeast can be added, the wort must be chilled to the appropriate fermentation temperature. To accomplish that, the wort is run through a heat exchanger. 7. Fermenting. The wort is transferred to fermentation tanks, and then yeast is added. The sugary liquid begins its transformation into beer. 8. Conditioning. After the yeast has ceased gorging on sugar, fermentation slows down and the yeast start descending to the bottom of the fermentation tank. To encourage the settling, the beer is cooled to near freezing and then transferred to a conditioning or bright tank for flavor maturation. Uh, continued clarification and or carbonation. Some breweries only chill beers in the conditioning tank. And finally, nine, filtering and packaging. For a final polish, some beers are filtered for optimum clarity. Others are sent directly to cans, bottles, and kegs, ready for your consumption. So there is the a nice recap of the process of, of making beer. And I hope you you enjoyed this episode. Uh, a little bit different going through this process, but I wanted to to get this out there and and, and share it with everyone, and also go through it. I guess I'm being a little selfish, but I want to 
hopefully going through this process the next time someone asks me how beer is made, I'll I'll be able to at least, generally speaking, go through the steps. If I don't remember the exact what they're called, that's okay. But I can explain it uh, in that way, maybe more accurately appreciate that, that end product of what I'm drinking. So that's the episode. Thanks so much for listening again. Um, if you want to reach out to the show, a couple ways to do that on Facebook, how to sleep podcast. We have our page, please go on there and, and just comment, share comments. I, I, I'd love to, to do a, uh, an episode on a manual recommended and suggested by, by some more listeners. Um, and that's where the grandfather clock episode came from. One of my favorites from a listener who suggested that. So please, by all means, go on there to do it. You can also share it uh, on Twitter, how to sleep cast on Twitter. If you want to do it there, you can always shoot me an email. If you're listening to this at work or on a run, you have your phone with you. And I don't know who's sending emails while they're running. I guess some people are pretty productive on treadmills, uh, but you can do so how to sleep podcast at gmail.com. So uh, thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you soon.